we start praying. I mean, I have my family in Brazil praying. I have missionaries in Africa praying. I have friends in Switzerland praying. I have That's right. That's how you do it. Within three years of release, two out of three ex-offenders are rearrested. Clearly, something is broken. It's time we strategize ways to prevent repeat offenses. Our brainstorming session starts now. Welcome to A Prisoner's Pardon. Hello and welcome to A Prisoner's Pardon Podcast. I'm your host, Michi J. Today we are finishing up my conversation with Rachel Bruno, the advocate, author, and spokeswoman for parental rights and child advocacy. Last week we heard how her child was taken and how frighteningly easy it is for anyone with kids can find themselves in the same situation. Now let's listen to part two of my chat with Rachel. Right. And the next thing I hear, my name is Bruno. Any objections? To like what? That? Yeah. <laughs> Where is your lawyer? Your lawyer is there. And he yeah. didn't explain what. Because uh, I just kept waiting. Like, when is he going to ask me what happened? Right. And, but then the first time I hear my name is, do you have any objections? And I'm like, what? Like, you have any objections of the children being placed with their father? Oh, no. I said, <laughs> no. And then ask the, my husband, Mr. Bruno, do you have any objections? No. Children's lawyers whom I'd never met. They're representing my children and I have no idea who they are. Ask them, do you have any objections? No. Social services, do you have any objections? Yes. And they're like, why? Because we never got to speak with the father. So well, we that's your fault. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're like, we don't know whether he's fit or not. So at this point, the judge says, okay, court is in recess. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, are these people not even going to let the children go to their father now? Right. So we go outside into the hallway. My attorney gives me the court report, which is what the police wrote, the social workers wrote and the, the staff at the hospital, you know, all their narratives and their stories about what happened. And he's like, here, go through this. Prepare yourself to be really mad. OK, as you read this, I just want you to jot down things that are inconsistent or things that you think are untrue. And, you know, initial them or I'll look at them later, but now is not the time for this. But I just want you to be psychologically prepared to be really pissed off. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, okay. So I start reading this report while my attorney and all the other attorneys are in the courtroom with the judge trying to negotiate or decide what is going to happen to these children, right? Mm-hmm. To my children. Right. So I'm out there reading and... Yeah, I see the law enforcement, you know, telling the judge that mother does not seem very concerned about her child. And again, you know, I was thinking these people were there to help me while I was speaking to them. I was not crying. I was not hysterical. You know, I was trying to keep myself together because I thought they were here to help me. (laughs) And like, what use is it for me to be hysterically crying? Right. When these people are here to help me. So they say mom does not seem empathetic towards her son. Mom is not exhibiting the normal behaviors of a grieving mother. Mom is acting as That's if normal. Were... <laughs> I don't understand that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Mom is acting like this is just another doctor's appointment. And again, the doctors that I'd spoken to, they never identified themselves as what the hospital refers to as child abuse experts, right? The CAP physicians, the child abuse pediatricians, CAP. CAP, child abuse pediatrician. Okay. So her name was Dr. Wong at this hospital. And she simply told me she was the pediatrician on call and that she was making the rounds. Mm -hmm. And then she asked me, you know, what happened? 
And again, I don't know. And I start, you know, pointing various scenarios to her. I'm like, is it possible that the nanny dropped him? You know, we had ceramic tiles on the floor. I'm like, it's a hard floor. That's very hard. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, nope, not possible. Like, is it possible she fell asleep and he may have rolled onto the floor? And she's like, nope, not possible. Nothing was possible. But she kept asking me if I had any seizures. Is it possible that you had any seizures while you were holding your child? Why is she questioning you without an attorney? Yeah. Again, I had no idea. Right. She told me she's a doctor and doctors have HIPAA laws. Right. They're not supposed to share private things that you discuss with your patients. Oh, but that is considered a criminal case, so they can do it. So right, but they yeah. never told me, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so and then in the court report, she's saying the same thing to the judge. You know, mom is bringing up various scenarios about what could have possibly happened to her child. Uh, this was not the child could not have done this to himself. The mother's explanation is not consistent, and it's the first time I saw the diagnosis, which she said was non-accidental blunt force trauma. Mm-hmm. And just jotting these things down. And then I, I'm looking for the nanny's name, right? Anywhere in these reports. I'm like, where is the nanny? What did they say to her? What did they speak to her? And I did find they went to go speak to her two days after they had taken my kids, after they had taken David right to the shelter is mm-hmm. when they went to go talk to the nanny. And according to the report, the court report, her one-year-old daughter had a bruise under her eye when they went to go speak to her. Wow. <laughs> And the social worker asks her, you know, ask the nanny, why does your daughter have a bruise under her eye? And the nanny tells her that the baby rolled off the bed while sleeping. And that's why she has a bruise under her eye. Okay. And how how was that child? One. Oh, they're not verbal too. So, okay. Yeah. And then she asked the nanny what happened, right? With my son. And she tells the social worker that my son was perfectly fine when she left the house. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't even make sense. Like I'm paying you a lot of money, right. To watch my son. Mm -hmm. Like, why would I let you go home early if my son was perfectly fine? Like, why did I even wake up if my son was perfectly fine? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But they didn't question that, right. They believed her. I mean, that's plain and simple. They believed her and they didn't believe me. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm reading that. And then, you know, my judge, the judge calls us back into the courtroom and by the grace of God, he overruled. Mm-hmm. The objection from social services. Good. <laughs> and he said, no children will be placed with their father. Mrs. Bruno, you have 24 hours to vacate your home. You are court ordered to take child abuse classes, parenting classes, and individual counseling. And a caseworker will be contacting you regarding visitation. Court is adjourned. Why are you ordered to take those classes? They don't, you know, you're innocent right now. They don't. No, you are guilty until innocent. In family court, you have to prove your innocence. So these classes, are they geared towards you being guilty when they're talking to you? Like these sort of classes that you had to take? Well, my specific classes, I don't know if every, you know, (laughs) every organization does this. But I mean, I was in shock when I went to that first child abuse class. I'm thinking I'm going to be in there with a bunch of drug addicts, alcoholics, you know, Uh pierced up, tattooed people. (laughs) Uh (laughs) And when I get there, everybody was in the same boat that I was. Hmm. Right. Nobody in there had abused their child. There were playground accidents. There were bathtub accidents. I mean, there was all kinds of stories. I can I can attest to that because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I have two kids and um, my daughter is older than my son. And she's like uh, probably about two years older. And 
my son was just accident prone. I mean, he he would he fell off a bike, rolled over and then rolled into a squirrel and the squirrel bit him. This is you know how hard it is to get bit by a squirrel. But this is this is the stuff he would pull. I mean, even to this day, he still has accidents. You know, he just had something drop in his eye. But this has been happening since he was young. He fell out his bum bed. He broke his arm. Yeah. And I had to take him to the doctor at night. And they he was verbal, though. I was so happy, you know, because they were looking at me. I'm like, I'm in other room sleeping. I just hear screaming. Right. And um, I believe they questioned my daughter too, and, and they yep. said the same thing. And I was, I didn't, I didn't realize I was just that close. Exactly. <laughs> and um, and then one time he was skating, <laughs> right? They were outside skating, and my daughter called herself trying to make him skate faster or something, so she pushed him, and he <laughs> broke his arm again. Oh no! And they had to put a pin in, it and they were asking what happened then, and I'm like. He, she did it, you know, and she told him, luckily they were verbal and they said the stuff, right. but yep. I'm saying they, this can happen to anybody, anybody. And, and exactly like you said, they were verbal. Like all the people who were in that child abuse class that had broken bones were infants were like under two years old and nonverbal. There was a kid in there, an 18 year old kid who slipped in the bathtub with his 10 month old baby. He was giving the 10 month old baby a bath in the big bathtub. Mm-hmm. And he got in there to pick her up and he slipped. And the baby fell, her arm hit on the side of the bathtub. Oh, wow. This is, that, that's bad. But it's this is something to be wary of because especially with a system, a rogue system, yes. you know, as Child Protective Services, not that they we do need them, right. of course, because they are such, you know, <laughs> case, cases that's happening that children do need to be removed from the home. But I've They're seen sure. it where they weren't removed from the home when they should have been removed from the home. Exactly. But and they're not and they're removing kids that should stay where they are, right. or at least um, give a parent a chance to prove the innocent and stand with um, a relative, right? Until well, that's, that's all of our policies, right? According to their policies, what's written in their books, that is exactly what is supposed to happen. But there's no oversight for them. Who who is um, who's oversight? They're nobody. Well, this happens in the in in um, the criminal uh, justice system as well, and that's what. You know, we do need to have oversight for these people because, you know, we the system is, as far as I can see, most of the time is okay. We do need to make some changes, but we really need to watch these people and how, you know, hold them accountable and charge them when there is this is just an abuse of power. And And I mean, you know, like when they took my son to the shelter. And they released him. They released him to my mom because my mom was a public school teacher, retired public school teacher. She was fingerprinted. She's a mandated recorder, right? So she was already in the system mm-hmm. and they gave, they let her take him from the shelter and stay with her until we had the hearing. Mm-hmm. So before we even had the hearing, the social worker asked my mom if she will adopt my two, my two kids. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, no, give them back to their mom to who they belong. <laughs> and the social worker tells my mom, well, we don't know what the judge is going to order at the hearing. So if he orders the removal of the children, will you adopt them? My mom, again, what happens if I don't? Like they're going to go to foster care. So my mom adopts my children, signs the legal paperwork to adopt my children before I ever show up in the courtroom. Like before there is ever a trial, like people don't understand that there is no due process in family court. You know, due process is something guaranteed in our constitution. 
right? Correct. Which is due process, the right to a trial by jury, a yes. trial, you know, all that stuff is in our constitution. In family court, that goes all out the window in what they deem is the best interest of the child. This is this is totally scary because and they offered my mom $680 a month per child. So my mom would be getting around $1,300 to adopt her own grandchildren. They would qualify for Medicaid. They would qualify for food stamps. They would qualify for all these social welfare, quote, benefits, right? And my mom is like, I don't need your money. I don't want your money. Mm-hmm. And social worker, well, this is how we help the families. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, you want to help the families. Say that, you know, I was in need of services, right? Say that I was a single mother and I maybe didn't have food in the refrigerator, but I was working three jobs or I couldn't find childcare or whatever the case may be. Why not take that $680 you offered to my mom and give that to the actual biological family to keep the family together? That's the, you know, that's the (laughs) sad part that this is not, you know, governed by really, you know, you have bad people everywhere. And just like you have, you know, they always look at, prisoners and inmates and stuff, but do they need to look at these wardens, these guards, yeah. Yeah. um, these lawyers, these prosecutors, yeah. these defense lawyers. I've seen it all too. It, it's some good ones, but they do yeah. tend to just you you have to cop out all the time right. and Absolutely. not do not even um they don't look at the case or they right. don't have any time. Um but it's you know it's this, these are people's lives right. that they have the in their hands, right? The public defenders who work in family court. I mean, they work for the same system, right? Yes, the I've workers, seen that. Mm-hmm. The public defenders, the judges, they're like coworkers, right? They're colleagues. And this is what so, happens in the criminal justice right. system too. And it's, it's what if they're innocent, you right. know, if you, if they're not getting their due process in this, this is just, a bad, bad thing that's going on. And I'm really, I'm really upset about it. Yeah, that they're, they're not being held accountable. They're not. I mean, so, you know, just so I can wrap up what happened with us, they kicked me out of the house. They court ordered me to take all these services. They call it the safety plan, right? That I had to complete these services in order to prove to the court that I was fit to have my children back. And they kicked me out of the house for 40 days and 40 nights. <laughs> hmm. I had seven hours of monitored visitation with both my children. Mm -hmm. And at 40 days, we had a hearing, right? It was a follow-up hearing after the detention, after the emergency hearing, after the detention hearing, then this was another follow-up hearing. And my attorney calls me and he's like, you know, don't bother going to court today. The status of your case hasn't changed. The criminal investigation is still open. Don't waste your time. I won't waste mine. And I'm like, okay, you know, he's been right about everything so far. <laughs> so I call my husband and my husband says, I don't care what he says. We're gone. I, you know what? I wouldn't <laughs> trust it either. Yeah. It's better safe than sorry. Okay. Yeah. So we go, we go to the courthouse and we sit out there. You know, I call it the hallway of death where all the rooms are and everybody's sitting outside the hallway waiting for their name to be called. <laughs> we and I'm okay. sitting there <laughs> and about two hours go by. My attorney calls me. He's like, where are you? Like I'm at the courthouse and he's like, okay, I'm on my way. Might be able to do something. And he hangs up on me. I'm like, okay, great. So I start texting everybody. 
we start praying. I mean, I have my family in Brazil praying. I have missionaries in Africa praying. I have friends in Switzerland praying. I have That's right. That's how you do it. Come together, stand in a gap. So, yeah. So what happened? We're all there. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. Something's going to happen. So he walks in there, you know, I give him a hug and he pushes me away. He's like, don't hug me. I can't make you any promises. Mm -hmm. Okay, go. (laughs) He goes in there. He comes back out with a stack of papers, like initial this find this initial this. I don't even know what I'm signing, what I'm initialing. I'm just trusting God and my attorney at this point. Mm-hmm. And he's in and out, in and out, in and out for about three hours. And finally comes out with a stack of about 700 pages. Wow. It's like, okay, here's the deal. If you're willing to sign this document, the way it's written, there's nothing in here admitting guilt. There's nothing in here saying that you did this. It's just the social workers narrative, the police reports, the investigations, the medical records, the services you've done they are willing to let you go home today. So at that point, if they told me to cut off my leg, I would have done it. Mm-hmm. Right? I just wanted to be home with my babies and with my husband. That's how it is though. When they got you like that, it's yeah. like, I just wanted to stop. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I signed the papers and, you know, I was able to go home that day, but my attorney told me, he's like, I've been doing this for 23 years and I have never seen them let anybody go home before trial. So what I happened? Do- you definitely have a higher power working for it's you. It's the prayer for That's sure. What, he said. <laughs> well, what what did God use? What did God yeah. use um, to was able to? I guess the legal loophole. It was it was what do you call it? A no contest plea, basically. Okay. Right, like you're not admitting guilt, but you're not admitting. You know, you're not admitting anything. <laughs> okay, right. No plea right? guilty. Okay. Yeah, so it was a no contest plea. Okay. Even though it wasn't technically a criminal proceeding, because a no contest is usually during a criminal proceeding. Right. Right. So this was family court. I guess they, my attorney convinced them to let me do this type of deal, the plea okay. bargain. Okay. And my case did remain open, right, with social services, where a social worker would come visit my house for six months. Okay. And I was still court ordered to finish taking the services, right, the parenting classes, the individual counseling, all that stuff. Okay. But at least I was home, right? I was home with my kids and I was able to live my life with my kids. Right. And at the end of the six months, it was a social worker's recommendation that the case be closed. Okay. So at the end of six months, we go back to court again. I never got to see the judge. (laughs) Wow. Everything, your whole life is in there. (laughs) (laughs) So the case was closed, but, you know, I just had a fire up my butt after that. I'm right. like, I can't be quiet. <laughs> like seeing everything I witnessed, especially in that child abuse class, those, those, those people became my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we would cry together. We would laugh together, commiserate together, you know, cuss out the system together. I mean, you name it because <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we had all been through it. And it was unbelievable to me that all these people, you know, they're in the system. If you don't have money, if you don't, if have, you don't money, have the family support, if you don't have the education, right? If you don't know. And that's what's happened. I'm glad you mentioned that, Rachel, yep. because I've seen it too, because, mm-hmm. you know, I've, my brother's been in and out of the, you know, of jail in the system. Yeah. And, and it's been at times that he, you know, he wasn't, you know, yeah. involved with things. And this, this is what happens. That is a nightmare. The, you know, the, the you don't have the money. You don't, you don't uh, understand the system like for his, how to get out of it. And they're coming in and they're saying they're going to help you and stuff. And they wind up 
throwing you under the bus before you even know it. You don't even see the bus. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh So I'm like, you know, I can't, I have to speak out on behalf of these parents. Yes. And and let people know, let the citizens know that when they talk about family court, it's not a court. Okay. This (laughs) is like a kangaroo court. There is no, there's nothing legal about this. So what do you, I know you gave me some material. So what should they do? What, what things should, um, of course, this isn't legal advice. This is just, right. right. I'm not a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) So what, what things should they do? So, you know, if I had to go back to Mm -hmm. that first night at the hospital, okay, I should have never spoken to law enforcement or to the social worker at that hospital. Right. So even though they never told me I was under investigation, right. And that this was a criminal investigation, you know, legally, they should have told me you're under investigation and would have read me my Miranda rights. Can you, can you, can you, can you ask for, I'm acting like you a lawyer now, but, <laughs> but can you ask for a lawyer at that point? I you wonder. can tell them. Absolutely. You can okay. tell them that it's your right under the constitution. I do not need to speak to you. I have the right to an attorney. Now, of course, you know, don't be rude about it. Don't have cop an attitude with yeah. the cops and with the social worker. <laughs> yes, that's true. So, right. But I would have kindly told them, you know, I understand you're here to do your job. Right. But I'm not comfortable speaking about this right now without speaking to an attorney first. Right. So they should, I don't think legal shield handles that. You know how you have those like legal groups right. that you belong nope, to <laughs> legal shield, but um, they do have some good things there. I'm not, I'm not sponsoring yeah. them, but if you through your job, through the EPA programs and stuff, they can possibly give you somebody at least to initially look at it right. to stop at least all the consultation. Like most yeah. at least give you an initial consultation for free. Right. Well, we right. need somebody to be in that room with you or something. Right. That, okay. Well, you know, if I told them I'm not going to speak to you today, like I'm not going to speak to you until I find an attorney, they would have to leave. You know, they'll keep pressuring you. They'll try every psychological it's, trick. It's better not to say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. What else do they do? So, I mean, like I said, they'll, they'll do all the psychological tricks on you, even after I spoke to them. Right. That night. Cause you're scared. I mean, wow. That's the scariest situation. Okay. And then I got the attorney and my attorney told me, I do not want you speaking to law enforcement, to detectives, to anybody anymore about this case. You hear me? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. The detective called me the next day and she kept calling me and kept leaving voice messages for me and saying, you know, I don't understand why you're not calling me. If you don't want to, why you aren't cooperating. If you are a concerned mother, I think you want to help our case. Right. They keep using these little psychological tricks on you. And I would call my attorney. I'm like, what what do I do? Like she's here. You know, she's saying I'm not being cooperative. Is this what they're going to tell the judge? They're going to assume I'm guilty because I'm not talking to them. Wow. Our enemy is good. You know, we have a real enemy. It's called the devil. Okay, and he works through any and everybody. And it's that is a dark time. But you telling it like it is, Bruno. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel. So. Everybody listen to this. Go ahead. Finish. (laughs) So get an attorney and do not talk to them. Right now, if you miss that first step, like I did, and you end up talking to them (laughs) and you end up giving them information and they show up at your house, like they showed up at my mom's house. Again, basic principle, no warrant, no entry. Okay. So because they say you let them in. Right. But they didn't tell me what they were coming in for and that they were going to take away my kid. Wow. We need to. Yeah. I mean, if 
if I was, my aim was to do what they were doing. Yes, I would do it the same way, but we have to be, um, well, Smart. we have to be wise as serpents, right? Yeah, the right. <laughs> Harmless as a dove. And you, right. <laughs> I, I, you're so right. I was thinking that. So it's just like, yeah. but you you do have to be wise. And these are very wisdom steps, right? You know, wise steps yeah. that you're giving. So, okay. So you said, you know, don't so talk. Lawyer yeah, up. Don't talk to them. Don't lawyer talk. Up. Okay. <laughs> no warrant, no entry. No warrant, no entry. Okay. Okay. And again, if you miss those steps again, and they do have your children and now you're stuck in the system, (laughs) now is not the time to fight as far as your rights. Okay. Okay. So like, I know I'm innocent, right? I know I didn't do this and I should not be forced to be taking child abuse classes, parenting classes, individual counseling, Uh right? Right. But remember these children, I mean, these people have your children in their hands. Right. Oh, this is so terrible. What, right. what can happen? You do not want to make these people mad. <laughs> no, because they got all the power at this point. Exactly. They have yeah. all the power. But okay, even before that, now we should be warning parents mm-hmm. what they should be, you know, be very careful. Just understand there is, it's a, it's a, what do you call them? CPS the out police. there. Yeah. The the CPS. CPS is out there and you be warned when you start having children, I think you should start being educated about protective services. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, that you need, you know, you're the best parent right. ever, but you need to be informed about this because you can end up in the system yeah. and don't, don't know um, how you even got there, but right. they and are talk about the non They're scary. Program. Yeah. Right. They're but scary. As, far as your older children, talk mm-hmm. to them, tell them. Because if they can't get through them to your house, they will show up at the school, right? And tell the school to pull your kid out of their classroom and go talk to them at the principal's office. Oh, the the schools work with them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So let your child know, you know, if they're old enough, of course, in an age appropriate manner. Mm -hmm. Tell them, you know, that you don't need to talk to them. Mm -hmm. You don't tell them anything that happens in our house, right? Mm -hmm. What happens in our house stays in our house. Right, right. If somebody is asking you about what mommy and daddy do for a living or do mommy and daddy fight or, you know, anything related to that, you do not talk to these people. Yeah. You know, my daughter, she definitely, you know, was telling my grandkids that and different things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, that is true. And uh, again, we we need the system, but we Mm -hmm. need the system to work according to the Constitution. Because right now it's not protecting innocent people. And if you get caught in it, it's like, how much money were you out? I know you're out of a lot of money. A lot of money. I mean, we, my husband and I were going to buy a house before this ever happened. No, we have saved up enough money for a down payment. Mm -hmm. So we had over a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and all that went out the window and we were living off of credit cards. Mm Mm-hmm. My husband and I lost our business. You know, we owned our own business at that point point. Wow. Okay. and we couldn't work, you know, cause our lives were taken over by court hearings, by the child abuse classes, the parenting classes, the individual counseling, the social workers visits, I mean, everything. Wow. So we mm-hmm. had over $250,000 in debt Wow. when we started the civil suit, right? When we hired a civil rights attorney mm-hmm. to sue them mm-hmm. and our civil rights attorney looked over our case. And we sued them based on violation of the Fourth Amendment, which is the illegal search and seizure, Mm -hmm. and the Fourteenth Amendment, which is the family's right to privacy. Oh, the Fourth. Okay. 
That's okay, good so to those know. Those were the two amendments that we were able to legally sue them on. Okay. And then the civil suit. Oh my God, that's a whole other nightmare, but a nightmare in the sense that, you know, we got discovery, we got all the documents showing what they actually did to our children. Right. Okay. And the communication between them while they were interviewing me. I mean, I have text messages. I got the text messages. Yeah, to keep all that. Okay. And her supervisor, the night of the interview, right? The night they went to the hospital. And before she ever interviewed me, she tells her supervisor, I'm on my way to the hospital. Infant with a cranial fracture, has a 20-month-old sibling, was with the nanny per mom. Right. And then the supervisor replies back, OMG, do you think it was the nanny? And the social worker replies back, no, think mom. Who is she to judge? You just report facts. That's all you do. She didn't even speak to me. This was before they even got to the hospital. So How- this was... Based that's on, just an opinion. That's right, an opinion. It's based on what the doctor, right? The child abuse pediatrician. It's assumed on what the, the mandated reporter, which was the doctor, told the social worker. Hmm. So again, a lot of hearsay, right? As Judge Judy calls it. Right. <laughs> like this is, I don't accept hearsay. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Definitely right. got to get those discovery documents. and read Oh them. yeah. And the only way we got the discovery documents is because we were suing them. If we weren't suing them, those documents are sealed until the children are 18 years old. Really? Yeah. So you only could get it if you're suing them. Yes. Or if you have some kind of motion, some kind of, you know, legal thing that you could tell the judge that you need these documents for. I recommend they do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Try and get them. Yeah. So like even for medical records or whatever. But when we got that, they gave our son, David, 13 vaccines without our consent. Woo. Oh, I mean, you know, they, yeah. they shouldn't be able to do anything without a parent. Well, he wasn't up to date according to the government standards because we had chosen to space them out, you mm-hmm. know, under his pediatrician's guidance. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, did your people even bother calling the pediatrician, right, to find out why he wasn't vaccinated? You know, what if he had anaphylactic shock or something? You could, people could have killed my son. And they don't care. Right. Yeah. They they have too much power. That is way too much power. Okay. They gave him a full skeletal survey without our consent, without a court order, without a warrant, which is basically, you know, an x-ray of every bone in your body. Hmm. Now they had just taken my son at two o'clock in the morning from my mom's house. Mm -hmm. My son was traumatized. Right. And they take him to a hospital and they expect my son to lay on a hospital bed and let them take x-rays while he's naked on a, on a medical table. Wow. So this is traumatizing. It is. Everybody. So, you know, through the civil suit is when we found all this out. I'm like, oh my God, you know, it was almost more painful, you know, to relive this and to see it. And I'm like, I can't imagine what my son went through. Mm -hmm. Luckily they're young and they can recover, but you know, definitely watch. But to this day, my son Mm -hmm. still fears going to the doctor. I will too. You know, and what else did they gave him? They gave him an anal wink test, which is for sexual abuse. When oh, there were any allegations of sexual abuse. Wow. And that's basically they put a probe up a child's anus. To see how it contracts. Is that did they at least give the child knock the child out with amnesia? I, I mean, I understand. <laughs> to that's traumatic. OK, that is, I'm like, that is child abuse. That is, I'm like. Okay, Rachel, I don't know. I can't so, hardly you know, take anymore. 
Right. And then looking back when we went to go visit him at the shelter and I told you he was a zombie. I'm like, well, no wonder. Look what they did to this kid. Okay. He, yeah, this is a whole <laughs> abusive situation right here. But I'm remind, I keep, I'm keep going to say, saying this, but yes, we do need CPS, but we don't need them to be abusing the authority, right. just like we need the police, but we don't need police right. abusing their authority. Well, and did you it, know that CPS wasn't like invented until like the 1960s? What, right? what when, when, and um, under who, Johnson? Under, oh gosh, what was his name? Hillary Clinton worked under him. I forgot his name now. He came up with CAPTA, which is the Child Abuse Prevention and Something Act. I'm going to look this up. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. But before CPS, right, the people who took care of this sort of situation was strictly law enforcement mm-hmm. because child abuse is criminal under yes. every single state. Right. So, like, you know, it's a criminal case. Therefore, it should be taken care of in federal court with criminal law. Right. Mm-hmm. Where you will have due process technically, right? Well, you will get to bring your witnesses and you will have cross-examination. You will have a trial. You will have a jury. I mean, they actually have to prove their case. Right. Right. And if you are guilty, then heck yeah, you should be in jail. Yes. Right. And those children should be removed. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. But they came up with CPS in the 1960s under this child abuse act. CAPTA is what it's called. And then in 1993, when Bill Clinton was president, they came up with what is called the Adoptions and Safe Families Act, mm-hmm. which is where the federal state, the federal government incentivizes the states to place children up for adoption. They incentivize. Why? Yes. So it's about the money. It's about the money. Of course. Always <laughs> about the money. <laughs> so it, they get money through the Social, Social Security Act, Title 4E. Okay, and it's called the Adoptions and Safe Families Act, ASPA oh, for short. Wow, this is a hidden money thing, it is, right? It is. Hidden it's a money. money racket. So I always, you know, was very suspicious of that because in a black community, um, you do. I think it is really prevalent. Um, yeah. I um, I see where certain clinics are and. Yeah. I think our community is preyed upon at times because we don't know about all this stuff. And if they can't get them, then they usually get them afterwards through this particular system. I mean, this is, this can be weaponized. Absolutely. Um, I just did a quick Google search here. It was Mondale. Walter Mondale is the one who started CPS or child protective. Oh, okay. Yeah. Remember him. He did that. And Hillary Clinton. (laughs) <laughs> interned under him. Okay. And then when she became first lady, mm-hmm. ASPA was her really? project as first lady. Right. Okay. We're not, you know, I'm not uh, politically affiliated with right. it. I, right. I, I, it's about, hey, it's so the facts. it's the facts. best facts. <laughs> right. You know, I had a guest on one time and I just, I love when you say facts, facts. <laughs> and I think I need to start doing it because we don't care. It has no, yep. you know, agenda is an agenda. We're right. not talking about any kind of a political affiliation or right. religious or we're just no, check these just facts. facts and we need yeah. to start. 
I'm glad right. you're doing what you're doing, Rachel. So we so that we can be aware of this and then we can start, you know, putting some pressure yeah. where um, people like this can be held accountable. So tell them about your case and like you won, right? I won. I mean, the civil suit, you know, hey. like I said, we had all the discovery. <laughs> the underdog can win, guys. Okay. Underdog can win. <laughs> and, and that's three guys. Mm-hmm. We deposed them, right? Mm-hmm. The social worker who, you know, we showed her that text message. And my attorney's like, okay, so you think mom did it? And she's like, Ooh. I didn't know at that point. What do you mean like, you didn't know? But yeah, you said you didn't know. So why did you tell your supervisor? I don't know. Right. <laughs> You put them on trial. Okay. Yeah. And they need to be so that they know how to do their job better and Absolutely. do it correctly. We want them to be held accountable because we do yeah. need them, but we need them. Maybe she needs to be trained again. I don't know. Was, <laughs> oh my gosh. It was embarrassing. I mean, when he was questioning them about the fourth amendment, about the 14th amendment, right? Do you know you need to get a warrant before you enter somebody's house and remove, you know, things from their home, including children? <laughs> Wow. They get away with it. That's, you know, when people don't know this stuff, yeah. I'm just seeing it all the time. Okay. Wow. And what else? And the, like we sued the hospital as well. Right. And my attorney told me, you know, we are, we can sue the hospital, but most likely the judge will throw out the hospital from the case because Always doctors, protected. some of these cases are protected. They shouldn't yeah. be protected. He said because. doctors aren't expected to be investigators. Well, why was she questioning you? (laughs) Well, like the whole situation with my son where they gave him the full skeletal survey. Mm -hmm. The social worker who took my son to the hospital wrote in the court report that there was a suspicion that this child had been thrown against the wall. Okay, I'm just going to go back to what did you call those nurses? Child abuse pediatrician. Yeah. Aren't they expected to be investigators? under this sort of a thing, you know, cat. Ah, okay. Go ahead. Finish. Okay. So the social worker wrote that down in the court report and told the doctor, right. Who the radiologist was going to perform the x-ray. I mean, the doctors know that they need to have a warrant, a court order or parental consent, right. 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 To perform any of these examinations. Right. Except under exigent circumstances, which means the child is under life or death. Right. Okay. Okay. Then they can perform whatever they need to do to for their patient. Right. So if a social worker is telling a doctor that there's a suspicion that this child was hit against the wall and that there might be internal bleeding or there might be whatever going on inside that we can't physically see. You can use that all the time if you can't. I know exactly. But (laughs) like the doctor is not expected to like go after and see what is really going on, right? They have to take what at face value, that whatever makes, the social worker says. That makes sense. I can see right. that. Yeah, okay. But then the social worker presents the doctor what is called a general order. It's not a warrant. It's not a court order. It's a different document, which was signed by a judge, basically like a blank check. And it was dated 2008. I don't like blank checks, but go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> dated 2008. Our case happened in 2015. So the social worker presents the doctor an order from 2008. What? How did they fly? Right. And that's what I'm talking with my attorney. I'm like, what the heck? I know they're not expected to be investigators, but can you at least look at the date? <laughs> wow. People, our parents, we got to get way more educated than, you know, when my kids are little. But um, when you have kids, this is something I hope we have a lot of parents listening and yeah. just recommend them listening to your story. And yeah. um, let's see here where and I'm going to have things 
you know, how to contact you. You have a social media. I have social media. I have my website. Mm-hmm. Rachel Bruno speaks. RachelBruno.com. You even created a document that I'm actually going to have uh, yes. in our uh, transcripts. Know your rights, protect your family. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely should be downloading this and yeah. passing it on to every, especially teenage mothers oh and, God. you know, young mothers like that. Absolutely. And, um, wow. And after all this happened, you know, so we had the discovery, we had the case, we had the depositions and we settled in December of 2018 mm-hmm. for 1.49 million. Wow. Okay. That <laughs> is, I mean, it doesn't make up for everything. No. I mean, but that's quite a bit into to some, um, so I'm glad it wasn't hush money. <laughs> right. Oh, I told my lawyer, I'm like, I will not be quiet. Like I will not sign any NDAs. I don't care if I win $1 at trial, but I am going to talk about this. We need this because this is educational. I'm just going to say yeah. it's very much so in uh, the black community yeah. um, to know that we, we could face this easily, you know, yeah. you know, because of um, the situations that we are in already that's, um, you know, just out of our control. So this is wonderful, Rachel. I'm just so, I'm so proud of you. And I know all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose, (laughs) those who love God and you love God and you are right away praying. You know, he says to give thanks in all things. And I'm I'm thankful that you went through it though. um, You know, um, even though this is, nothing that we will intentionally have you do, but you are educating so many people. And I'm glad that you thought about coming back and fighting back and um, just trying to make sure that, you know, this doesn't happen to, to people like you. Yes. This system is needed to work. We need it to work properly and to follow the constitution to follow, you know, so that we have um, protections, you know, you know, you have to protect the parents too, not just the children. So in the family unit. So thank you so much. Um, everyone, I know you enjoyed Rachel as much as I have, and, um, she's, you can check out how to get to, um, know your rights, protect your family that she's provided. Remember this is all of this is advice. You, you all, you are, (laughs) you should always seek legal advice. So (laughs) uh, anyway, so, but thank you for listening to our show and I hope to see you or hear from you again. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Well, that concludes my interview with Rachel. Hopefully you are better informed about CPS and we'll now go out and tell others, hopefully. If you don't know, I'm finishing up my memoir called A Prisoner's Pardon. It's due out this spring. I talked about in it some of the systems that can be very detrimental to the Black community. I'm sorry that I didn't include this one because it's not widely known or on people's radar. I may just go back and do a quick update if I can. Anyways, I am more than happy I got a chance here to explore the system and what to be aware of. Here are my takeaways from my chat with Rachel Bruno. One, get informed about CPS and inform others, most especially your own family. Like if you have young children, if they're old enough to understand, please start talking to them now and just getting them to understand what this system is as much as you can or possible. Because I do know people who have talked to their kids about this and it really helped them when it came to any kind of contact with someone from Child Protective Services. 
So one, be informed and get other people informed as well. Number two, monitor your children and anybody that comes around them. You can't trust anyone. You really have to monitor everybody who is around your children because what they can do can actually get you in trouble, especially if the kid doesn't talk. So two, monitor your children and anybody that comes around them. Three, if you happen to find yourself in a case with CPS, don't talk to anyone. Get a lawyer because anything you say can be held against you, even if you're talking to a doctor and they may not tell you, like Rachel mentioned in our chat, she was talking to a doctor. She didn't even know that they are an advocate for the system, too, that can really hold anything that she says against her. And she may just be talking and not really thinking about what she's saying. So this you really need to be careful. If you're in a case, don't talk to anyone. Even, even if you suspect you may be in a case, don't even talk to anyone at all. Get a lawyer. And really, the last one I want to say is for pray, because remember, these people are not even governed by any constitutional law. They can do practically anything. And this, to me, is absolutely scary. Those are my takeaways. Thanks for tuning in today. Until next time, I'm Michi J, wishing you a week filled with blessings. Thanks for tuning in to the show. For more information on our guests and resources, visit prisonerspardon.com. If you're enjoying the content, follow, like, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, please be sure to leave a rating and review. Until next time, God bless.